The Ghost of Scott Bayo, Part 2. The phone rang. It was early afternoon on December 19, 1997. The reason I'm so sure of the date was that it was the day after Chris Farley passed, and everyone was talking about that. And that's what I assumed Don Marie wanted to talk about when I answered the phone. It was her on the other end. She was a huge Saturday Night Live fan. She hadn't missed an episode since the 80s. Now picture what you think a person named Don Marie looks like, and now switch it to the exact opposite. Don Marie actually looked more than a little bit like Chris Farley, a comparison which she was not put off by whatsoever and in fact encouraged. Can you come over? She asked. I need help with Liz. Yeah, okay, I said. You sound weird. Gum surgery, Don Marie replied. I'm on an ass load of painkillers. That's why I need help. She's freaking out and I'm not mentally equipped to be the voice of reason right now. Okay, I said. Can you give me half an hour? Hurry, said Don Marie and hung up. Liz was Don Marie's girlfriend of seven years. They met their freshman year of college when they were in the same dorm, a co-ed dorm which had the bizarre distinction of every single female coming out as gay by the end of the first semester. It wasn't established beforehand that way. It was just coincidence. Of course, a percentage of them changed their minds between then and the end of senior year, a trend known to some as lugs, lesbians until graduation, but which Don Marie preferred to call saphonies. Don't get the wrong idea. She was actually very non-judgmental. She just happened to be one of those women who didn't just come out of the closet. She smashed the closet door down with an axe she made herself and then chopped it up with an axe, uh, the same axe and stacked it for firewood and then built a fire and cooked a hot dish over it that she then used to take to a potluck. She opened the door holding an ice pack on her jaw as I came up the walkway. Liz is in the bathroom, she told me, shrugging in that direction. Go see if you can get her to come out. She just screams at me to go away. From back down the hall where the bathroom was, a distant sound of a nose blowing could be heard. What happened, I asked. Did you guys fight? Well, yeah, we did, said Don Marie. Wait, hold on. You want a beer? Aren't you on painkillers, I asked her. No health insurance, Don Marie said over her shoulder. I couldn't afford the surgery as it is. We're going to be paying it off for years. The beers are the painkiller. She came back out, drinking a green bottle of Henry's through a straw. She's not crying because we're fighting, said Don Marie. We're fighting because she's crying. I had freaking gum surgery today. She knew I had gum surgery today. She got the day off work and everything so she could take me. And then this morning, she says she's crying too hard to drive. She's way too upset to drive. And this was like at the last goddamn minute. I had to take a bus to the doctor and a cab home, which I can also not afford. She winced to the coldness of the beer and then put the bottle on the side of her jaw. Ah, she said. So why is she crying, though, I asked. That's the thing. It's not like it's even anyone she knows. It's that freaking guy from TV. Can you believe it? Chris Farley, I said. What? No, Jesus, I cried over that when we heard yesterday, said Don Marie. No, another guy. Didn't you hear about that? What's his name? He's like Fonzie's brother or something. Crotchy. Down the hall, the bathroom door slammed open. Liz screamed, Chachi, you know it's Chachi and it's Fonzie's cousin and he has a name, it's Scott Bayo. And she slammed the door again. Right, said Don Marie. Scott Bayo died in a card wreck. But then Jarvis, he said that wasn't true. It was just a rumor. Jarvis was Don Marie and Liz's roommate, a mysterious fellow who was always in his room with the door closed, usually with his double weird girlfriend. It was hard to tell whether she was there or not because they were generally totally silent just with the sound of the TV going constantly. 
Don Marie and Liz called the girlfriend Ulga, but I don't think that was her name. No, that's just a rumor. I'm pretty sure I told Don Marie. I think it's like what you call. I think it's a hoax. I mean, I'm almost totally sure. I heard that Scott Bayo's brother heard it on the radio and he called their parents and the parents called Scott totally hysterical, but he was fine. And he had to leave an answering machine message that said, hi, this is Scott Bayo. I'm not dead. I'd like to point out this was all years before the internet. Well, okay, great, said Don Marie, flipping down, flopping down on their living room sofa and putting her feet on the coffee table, waving the half-empty beer toward the bathroom. Will you please convey that news to her wailingness in there? I'm sorry to be a bitch about all this, but I don't think I'd have a huge amount of patience for this under the best of circumstances. I walk down the hall and knock lightly on the bathroom door. Look, I'm sorry about your jaw. Can you just allow me to be sad for a minute? Came the voice inside. Liz, I said, it's me. Can I come in for a minute? There was a pause, then Liz opened the door and shut it again behind me. She sat down on the closed toilet seat, eyes red and puffy, and worked a piece of Kleenex back and forth into twisted knots. I know this is stupid, she said. I can't believe I'm so upset over this. Liz, no, look, I have to tell you, I told her, I think it's one of those hoaxes. I think it really is just a rumor. Liz unfolded the Kleenex and blew her nose with it. Was that on the news? She said. Uh, no, I said. I just heard people talking about it, but they seemed sure. Liz and Don Marie had a TV, but no service. They used it for videos only. And a computer, but no internet. Again, no internet. They used that computer for word processors only, which we used to do. Liz sighed and looked out the window. I know I'm making too big a deal about it, she said. And I feel stupid trying to explain it to Diener because I don't know, it is kind of stupid. And then, you know, I don't know if she'd feel threatened or what, or whatever she thought about it. It's not really like a sexual thing. It's just, Scott Baio was my first huge crush. Just like, remember when he was first on Happy Days and he kept trying to take Joni on a date and she kept shooting him down? My heart just went out to Chachi. I just wanted to hold on to it. And he always wore those like white t-shirts and blue jeans I think I think I was the only person I knew who was just devastated that Joni loved Chachi only lasted like a season and a half you know what's weird about Joni and Chachi I said okay I know girls mature faster and everything but when Chachi was first on happy days Joni was like seven years older than him and then when they started dating she was just like three years older than and then by the time they got married they were about the same age and now I think he's older I even love that theme song said Liz do you remember it I completely didn't. I'm not going to sing it, said Liz, but it went something magic in the way you hold me in your eyes. No one ever warned. Love just takes you by surprise. (laughs) I don't know what's come over me. You've got me hypnotized when you look at me. She gave another heavy sigh. I watched every single episode of Charles in Charge. She said, I used to have zapped on video. When I was really young, I used to collect all these Teen Beat and Tiger Beat magazines if they had anything to do with Scott Bayo. Do you remember those? Yes. Oh, my God. Did you ever see the one with the contest where Scott Bayo would come to your house and be Charles in charge of you for a day? I shouted. Liz had not ever heard of it. I enthusiastically explained the whole story and promised I would have my mother try to hunt it down in my old stuff at home. I don't think she was convinced that it was true, but she did seem to feel somewhat better. Okay, she sighed. Let's go outside. Is Deemer all mad at me? I think she's worried that you're mad at her. I lied, kind of, but that's often a good lie to tell one half of a couple when they're fighting. We went into the living room. 
Don Marie was now holding two full-capped beers on either side of her face. These work better than an ice pack, she said. Do you feel better? <laughs> yeah, said Liz. How do you feel? How do I look? Don Marie asked. She pulled the bottles away and her cheeks were both swollen at the bottom like she was storing walnuts and they were the beginnings of purple bruises dotted all around. Luckily, that went with most of their decor. You look great, laughed Liz. Oh my God, do you think the swelling will be down by Christmas? Just then, a noise down the hall made everyone jump. It was the sound of Jarvis's bedroom door opening and Jarvis coming out, a sound and occurrence which were very, very rare. He came into the living room, followed by Ulga, and they both sat down on the floor and looked at us. Having Ulga look at you was honestly a little unnerving. I had actually only seen her once before, and it hadn't been in daylight. She was tiny, really short and really, really thin and really, really pale, almost albino, with long, wispy, whitish blonde hair parted in the middle, tiny little nose, tiny little mouth, but huge eyes. She actually looked a lot like an older version of those sort of frail, onion-shaped head kids that you saw on cards to or from grandparents back in the day, often with the caption, happiness is dot, 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 over their heads. Who's been crying? Jarvis wondered. Don Marie pointed at Liz, and Liz raised her hand. What happened? Jarvis wondered. Is it still the Scott Bayo thing? I'm pretty sure he's alive. I know it sounds absolutely nuts, said Liz. I know it's crazy, but I still have this horrible feeling like I know somehow he's not okay. I just feel I won't relax until I know for sure. We can contact him, said Ulga quietly. We all turned and looked at her. She blinked her huge eyes. Ulga has been experimenting with communicating with ghosts, Jarvis explained. Ulga gave him a withering glance. I'm not experimenting, she said. It is not ghosts, it's spirits. So, what if if you summon up Scott Bayo, then we'll know he's dead? Don Marie asked. Ulga shrugged. If it is the spirit being summoned, she said, it will come whether he's dead or alive. The spirit is the spirit. Um, okay, if Scott Bayo is alive, though, won't he mind having the spirit yanked out of him? Don Marie asked carefully. Ulga's expression did not change. Yes, very probably, she said. We'll have to try to get him while he's asleep. Jarvis looked at all of us. Well, should we give it a whirl, he asked. This, um, this, I mean, thank you, and, and, I mean, thanks, no offense, this is kind of strange, Liz told Ulga. Of course, said Ulga, but you still want to try it, don't you? Well, said Liz, it couldn't hurt, Jarvis proposed. Let's try it tonight. I have to go home and get my things, Ulga told him. Would Scott Bale be on the East Coast or West Coast, Jarvis wondered. Everyone looked at Liz. I don't know, she said. I guess L.A., but, but wait, doesn't he come from New York? We decided 2.30 a.m. was the best bet, late enough to possibly be in bed for California, but early enough to not be up yet for New York. Everyone stood up. Ulga went back into Jarvis's room to get her keys, and I went to the front door. So you're coming back tonight, right? asked Anne Marie. Oh, my God, I said. There's no way I'm missing this. Around 2 a.m., 
Everyone was back in the living room again. Ulga had changed into a loose, burgundy, velvety, floor-length tunic-type dress, which made her look even more pale and tiny. She was scattering salt in a big circle all around us on the carpet, where we were all sitting cross-legged. I hope Scott brings a vacuum with him, Don Marie whispered to Liz. Ulga was waving a knife in the different corners of the room and muttering, then lit some candles, muttered some more, and came and sat down in the circle, pulling a large green duffel bag onto her lap. Um, so, um, what do you have? Like, um, is it like a Ouija board? Liz asked nervously. Ulga rolled her huge eyes. A Ouija board, she said, is a toy. From the bag, she extracted a series of colored stones, which she placed in a careful pattern on the floor. Then she stared at them. She took one of the stones and took a large white card with a black circle on it, placed the card behind her, and placed the stone inside the circle. She took a photo of, of Scott Bayo out of the bag and placed it face up in front of her in the middle of all of us and put a small candle on either side of it, then lit the candles. She reached into the bag again. She's going to pull out Scott Bayo's severed hand, Don Marie whispered to me, and I bit the inside of my cheek. Like my own private gum surgery, Ulga pulled out what appeared to be a walkie-talkie. I imagined her speaking into it, Scott Bayo, come in, Scott Bayo, over. And then the horror of a ghostly voice coming back, This is Scott, over. This, explained Uga, is an EFM. She clicked a switch on the side and it made an electric whine. Is that like a ghost radio? Don Marie wondered half seriously. It is an electromagnetic field meter, Uga explained. Spirits give off energy. It causes a shift in the magnetic field around us. So it's like a ghost Geiger counter, said Don Marie. Ulga smiled patiently. And not exactly, she said. A Geiger counter ionizes when it detects particles from a radioactive substance and the ionized gas is transmitted as a pulse to the counter. The EFM detects a micro portion of magnetic flux density. Honey, said Jarvis. Boring. But the rest of us were now starting to feel weird and amped up. It didn't make any sense, but it sounded like Wilga maybe knew what she was talking about. And for some reason, that was more creepy. Let me get the base level, said Ulga, looking at the display on the walkie-talkie-looking thing, and then we can begin. At Ulga's ready nod, Jarvis got up and turned off all the lights and sat back again with the rest of us, only the candles burning. We were all supposed to hold hands and concentrate hard on the photo of Scott Bayo. Then we were supposed to close our eyes and continue to picture Scott Bayo in our heads. This whole time, Ulga would periodic periodically sort of chant things like, Scott Bayo, we ask that you join us in your spirit body. Oh, Scott Bayo, respectfully, with your permission, do we ask for your presence here tonight, Scott Bayo? Just in case this wasn't obvious, this was a very hard activity to maintain without snorts through the nose. In fact, concentrating on not doing that actually predominated over concentrating on the face of Scott Bayo. And for some reason, the only image I could see in my mind was Scott Bayo as Chachi from the episode of Happy Days where Al leaves him in charge of the restaurant and he accidentally tosses an apron on the stove and he burns Al's restaurant down. And then I got a little freaked out because the thought flashed through my head, what if that means that Scott Bayo is burning <laughs> in the fires of hell? 
Fortunately, I did not have too much time to get worked up about it because both Don Marie and Liz lost the snorting through the nose battle at the same time, broke the circle, and laughed and laughed and laughed. Ulga looked irritated. Jarvis looked like he might have dozed off there for a second. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. I'm sorry, said Liz. All I could picture was the episode of Joni Loves Chachi where Chachi has to pose nude for Joni's art class. Oh, my God. All I could picture, said Don Marie was the close-up look on his face and zapped where he's concentrating on making Heather Thomas's boobs pop out of her prom dress. Liz squealed and they both cracked up again. Oh my God. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, said Don Marie finally. Should we try again? I don't think so, said Olga. The energy is broken and I haven't been getting any readings of over 2.75 milligrams anyway. She stood up and walked over to turn on the lights. I'm sorry, sweetie, Don Marie said to Liz. They both looked at each other and laughed some more. Suddenly, Ulga, coming back, gave a squeal. She had stopped and was staring at the floor. What? What is it, honey? Jarvis asked. Look, said Ulga, pointing. We all looked. The stone at the center of the black circle on the white piece of paper was now about half in, half out of the circle. We made contact, Ulga said, with reverence, lifting her chin triumphantly. Yeah, that, that's uncanny, said Don Marie. Such a thing could only be the work of Scott Bayo. Liz rolled over on her side on the floor. Look, Don Marie pointed. By moving the stone, he's made the circle into a C. C for Charles and C for Chachi. Scott, Scott, if you're still here, make Lizzie Bear's boobies popped out of her shirt. Stop, said Liz. Ulga snatched up her rocks and spirit walkie-talkie and duffel bag, blew out the candles, picked them up, and stomped off down the hall to Jarvis's room, slamming the door. Jarvis followed her and shut the door behind themselves. Oh, oh, said Liz, sitting up and wiping her eyes. Ow. I'll have to say sorry, I guess, said Don Marie, blowing the remaining candles out. Do you want to stay for a beer? I'm going to go, I said, getting up. I'm suddenly exhausted, but thank you so much for letting me come over and do this. They walked me to the door and we stood on the porch. Bye, said Liz. Thanks for coming by. And thanks for coming over earlier. No, this was a fantastic day, I told them. Freaking Ulga, said Don Marie. I'm sorry, that's one odd chick. Oh my God, that reminds me, I said, lowering my voice. Do you know who she totally looks like? Sissy Spacek as Carrie, said Don Marie with no hesitation. Oh, I said, oh yeah. No, yeah, I guess so. But I was thinking one of those onion head kids that you see on the front of like those really sweet old grandma cards. Oh my God, that's totally right. She is an onion head, shouted Don Marie. And we said goodnight. And in the early part of that new year, Scott Bayo starred in Detonator, a painter slash hitman who is assigned to kill a teenage girl, but who grows to love and protect her and the two form a bond that is their only protection against a world that wants them dead. If you want to track a spirit presence yourself, it's really easy to get your own electromagnetic field meter. They range from 20 to $200, and you can find them easily on Amazon. But if your purpose for the device is supernaturally based, your best bet is to go to theghosthunterstore.com because they've been around since, well, really since Scott Bayo did slash didn't die forever. And they take ghost hunting very, very seriously and explain things thoroughly. They also have um, more recently uh, a site called Trifeld, uh, something like that. Oh, no, it's not Trifeld. It's um, EFM Academy where they recommend the Trifeld. Apparently the Trifeld TF2 is the, uh, the creme de la creme 
of uh, ghost haunting devices. The whole story came up actually years and years after the fact when I got a phone call from Liz. And I didn't know who she was initially because she had a voice seriously disguised by sobs. I finally recognized the caller as Liz. She said, I said, oh my God, don't tell me Scott Bayo's dead again. No, so Elizabeth, it's so weird because it's related to that. What had happened was as a birthday surprise, Sweet Don Marie had learned to sing and play the entire Joni Loves Chachi When You Look At Me theme song on the guitar. Isn't that revoltingly sweet? It is. It should be on an onion head card. <laughs> 